welcome to the Terry and Jesse show where we're going to be talking about Bishop Fulton J. Sheen's cause for the beatification. Is it getting back on? Is it or isn't it? And we're going to talk to an expert on that and he'll be able to give us the latest on that. I also want to just mention that with this major senat on synodality document, I want to bring something up before we get into Bishop Sheen because I could hear Bishop Sheen, if he was alive today, he would have heartburn over this because the document is highlighting a need to welcome polygamists, LGBT people, um, people in um, uh, second marriages and all this, you know, just things that we know are not morally acceptable from the deposit of faith. And, uh, you know, how can we grow in communion with these people, welcoming everybody by re while remaining faithful to the gospel? In other words, we want everybody to come but they come under Christ's principle of repentance. You know, we can't change the gospel. The gospel is supposed to change us. And so this question of how can we, you know, they want this keep growing in communion. How can we grow in communion when everybody is saying, hey, it doesn't matter whether you're living in mortal sin. We don't say those things because that might offend you. And I think of something that caught my attention oh, a couple weeks ago when I think, Monsignor Charles Pope put this question, came in, uh, he talked about uh, eight modern errors every Catholic should know and avoid. And one of them was equating love with kindness. And I think that's what this the Vatican is doing. You know, they're equating love with kindness. And here it is. Kindness is an aspect of love, but it is also to rebuke. Yeah, I can love somebody by rebuking them. I do that as a father. I mean, come on. What happened to that? And so it's punishment, as is in praise. Yet today, many, even in the church, high officials in the church, think of love only as kindness, affirmation, approval, encouragement, and other positive, positive attributes. <clears throat> but real love, at times, will be willing to punish or to insist on change and to rebuke error. So what I'm saying is, at the Senate, it's not love to welcome everybody without conditions of repentance and having the mercy of God dependent upon repenting and believing in the gospel. That's what the biblical worldview says. Yet, in our modern age, equating love with mere kindness says, if you really love me, you will affirm and even celebrate what I do. In this sort of climate, when the church's teachings does not conform with modern notions of sexuality, for example, the church is accused of hate simply because we do not affirm what people demand we affirm. In other words, they want us to affirm that homosexuality is legitimate. It's not offensive to God. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what our perennial teachings of the church says. The church is, is, not, is not saying that we affirm. We said simply because we do not affirm what people demand we affirm, no, we identify politics where people hinge their whole identity and dignity on a narrow range of behaviors or attributes. See, we don't want to affirm somebody who's living a life of sin. And I get it when they say, everybody come to this, into the church. Yeah, we welcome you. Sure, under Christ's conditions. Not our, but, but insisting of standing our ground and insisting that love and truth in opposition 
is a false dichotomy. See, where's the truth in letting someone come in and say, continue to fornicate, continue to commit adultery, continue to be a sodomite? No, that's not love. Most Catholics cave, and many also come to believe that love can be reduced to mere kindness. Many of them take up the view that the world, that the church is unkind and therefore mean, or we're even called hateful because we won't go along with polygamy. We won't go along with fornication. We won't go along with active homosexuality. Never mind that Jesus Christ said things that were, by his, by this standard, unkind. And that he often spoke, quite frankly, about sin. Beyond mere social justice and pharisaical attitudes, no, beyond that, to include such things as sexual sin, he talked about adultery, divorce. Remember, in, in the, in the uh, St. Paul's letter, he says, no fornicator will enter the kingdom of heaven. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Don't forget that because God is love, but love is kindness, and kindness is always present and affirming. Therefore, they conclude that Jesus couldn't really have said these main things. But many Catholics succumb to this error, sacrificing the truth. It has a higher place in our compendium of modern errors. Yeah, see, we don't want to talk about the truth. We'd rather talk about Let's just welcome people. Do you know why that's so much easier? Because what you're saying is the truth doesn't matter. Whatever you think is fine. We're all big, you know, we're all different, you know, phases of in our life. And they make all these excuses. Why? Because they think that it's okay to do that. But remember what I've always said, and I've said this for years. Never worry about who will be offended if you speak the truth. Worry about who will be misled, deceived, and destroyed if you don't. I would ask the bishops and cardinals and the Holy Father regarding this Senate coming up that they would keep that in mind. Don't worry about offending people. It appears to me from the statements that are being made that they're worried about offending people when we really should be worried about offending our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I would like to ask you to pray with me that our bishops, um, that the bishops would be able to step up to the plate, the Pope included, and say, I love you so much that I'm going to give you the truth. I'll never forget, I'll never ever forget Father William Casey, Father Superior of the Fathers of Mercy, at a family conference when he said the most merciless thing you can do is let someone wallow in their sin. And I think the fathers here that are putting on this Senate doesn't, they do not understand that it's not mercy to let someone wallow in their sin, whether it's adultery, whether it's polygamous, a, a polygamy, you know, living with more than one wife. This offends our Lord. And to not address that really tells me that they would rather be not you know just you know try to be kind to them but not with the truth they don't want to confront somebody because they don't want to have to pay the price of maybe someone not agreeing with them and i guess that is the main point for this sunot 
And I would also mention Cardinal Burke and Arch and Bishop Athanasius Snyder and others have spoken out uh, for the um, conference and saying that they pray every day that it won't happen. Well, it's not really a synod in a ter- in a traditional sense because usually these are for bishops' synods. But you've got lay people, men and women there uh, that aren't consecrated to God through ordination. And, uh, you know, that's what the Holy Father wanted to do. I'm just saying I question the motivation for our spiritual fathers in not keeping intact our spiritual matter of staying close to Christ with the truth. And I feel like what's happening is they're, they're basically saying, well, we're going to do this because we have to welcome everybody. But we know from 50 years of this approach, it's emptied our churches. Yeah. Take a look. We do not have the churches, and this is why Bishop Sheen's beatification would be so important for us, because then we can have a model who doesn't compromise the truth. Right now, we have shepherds, many of them, who are just telling us what we want to hear and not willing to tell us what we need to hear and what we need to do to be a follower of Christ. And that's sad. Well, Bishop Sheen is not, not that kind of bishop. And maybe that's why his beatification has been held up, because it would embarrass many high officials in the Vatican, because when people read his stories or read his conversion classes that we do here at the Sacred Heart Chapel every Tuesday uh, for a 12-week course, then people would understand that we have a very, very weak church. And I'll never, ever forget Bishop Robert Barron saying, It's the sign of a corrupt church that stops thinking deeply about the truths of Christianity. A church that is against being precise about its teaching is a corrupt church. Well, if the shoe fits, wear it, because I really think Bishop Barron hit the ball right on the— he nailed that ball with that because that's what we're dealing with. We don't—we want to be ambiguous right now in the church, and I don't, but there are big officials in the church— who try to be just kind of like, well, you can take it this way or maybe you not take it. But one thing I don't want to do is offend you. But when we come back from the break in a minute or two, we're going to talk about Bishop Fulton Sheen's beatification and why this is important for the church today. And I will say this. uh, We always have the full Sheen Ahead segment, and I will do that right now with Bishop Sheen. I take it from the... the, uh, Fulton Sheen, quotable Sheen, says this, the man who does not believe in the future's life has to take this one very seriously. When we come back, let's talk to Bishop Sheen about, talk to a man who knew Fulton Sheen well in his writings, and talk about the update on his beatification. You're listening right now to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I'm wearing my shirt that says, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. My guest is Dr. Peter Howard. He holds a doctorate in sacred theology from the Angelicum in Rome. And his passion is our passion. You know what it is? Fulton J. Sheen. He's a man, the man on a mission. 
Dr. Howard is a leading expert on the teachings of the Venerable Fulton J. Sheen and founder and president of the Fulton Sheen Institute, which exists to continue the implementation of Sheen's mission and teachings. He is the author of a book called Mary the Mediatrix and the Teaching of Fulton J. Sheen. And I'm just excited, Dr. Peter, that you're here to talk about the your love for Fulton Sheen because, as you know, here on the Terry and Jesse Show, we have a segment called Full Sheen Ahead. I just want to give you a warm welcome, my friend. Well, thank you, Terry. I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Yeah, well, me too. And uh, you're a father of six children. I mean, you've gone to school at the Angelicum in Rome, and you have a passion. I want to set the stage because we got plenty of time. Sometimes we do these interviews with a segment, but I wanted to do several segments, if we could, to talk about what made you commit so much time and energy to Fulton J. Sheen. How did you get introduced to Fulton Sheen? Tell us briefly your story. Sure. Um, well, I I finished my undergraduate studies at Franciscan University. Good. You know, this was back in 96. And, you know, you, you get to study under uh, and be surrounded by great theologians, great professors there, you know, like some of the best in the world. Yeah. And um, but what's interesting, like, I had never really known about Fulton Sheen. Um, once in a blue moon, I hear his name, and I still didn't really know anything about it or about him. And then uh, I started a, a just my my discernment process of what's God's purpose for me. Yeah. And in that process, um, I I took a re- personal retreat. At this time, I was living in Texas, and as I was go- driving out to East Texas, um, my sister. Uh, pulled me aside and said, Hey, before you leave, Pete, uh, take, uh, if you want, take this series of cassette tapes. <laughs> and, uh, I know like our younger viewers are probably like lost at that point. Um, but, uh, this is a retreat series that was, um, given at the seminary here in Dallas, uh, 1972. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm expecting this hissing sound. And I'm like, Oh, anyway, she's like, it's been remastered. And our pastor, who had just passed away, he was young, he died of cancer. He's like, he was there, and this retreat defined his entire priesthood to wow. the day he died. Wow. And I was like, well, all right. I mean, that's that's a pretty good promo for that. I said, I'll give him about 15 minutes. I had a three-and-a-half-hour drive, and I, I put him in within the first probably three minutes. Yeah. Um, and because it was so clear being remastered— mm-hmm. Um, grateful Dan Steffen for that. I know Dan, good man. Yes, yeah. So you probably know the series. Of course. Um, of course, actually, of course you do. You're the one who basically circulated everywhere. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this was in a raw form. And but anyway, he he shared this with me. And uh I I just felt like Sheen was sitting next to me. Yeah. And I felt like that moment in the scriptures when people who were listening to Jesus said, Who's this man? that speaks to us with such authority, like they couldn't ignore whatever he was saying. And I knew instantly this man was going to be like a spiritual director to me, at least for this retreat. And long story short, I stayed in my car for most of that retreat and just listened. <laughs> and, and to the point where, and then after that too, I, I listened to that uh, that retreat series so many times I had most of it memorized. Oh, yeah. And I started transcribing it. And I, mean, I didn't end up becoming a priest. That wasn't mm-hmm. God's call, but that was part of my critical formation. Mm-hmm. 
And as a layperson now too, I was like, wow. And as a budding theologian, this is right before I went to Rome. I was like, this, what I'm hearing right now, the whole world needs to hear. And they also need to have it translated, not just for priests. Priests first and foremost need to hear this because we, we need a, a revitalization of, of the priesthood. Um, and But the second part was, this was going to impact me no matter where I was in life. Mm -hmm. you know, talking about Jesus and Jesus as priest and victim. Sure. And I understood that for the priesthood, but I'm like, well, as a lay person, we're baptizing the priesthood of Christ. Oh my gosh, I have a whole new understanding of that. Anyway, the daily holy hour that he took um, was already important in my life, but I was kind of, you know, up and down. This was like, Peter, you can't miss it. And if you do, like, you're going to feel it. So that really launched for me this next major chapter in my life. Sure. You know, and, and Sheen talks about that. He, he says, um, it was in, in his own autobiography, there's a few decisions in your life that define the whole course of your life. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was one of them, but it was in a way I least expected. It was like when I listened to this retreat series, I could have just said no, put on some music or whatever. And that was it. That was the moment. Mm -hmm. But I responded. There was a, gra a, a grace there, seemingly insignificant. Now it's a, from that moment, it changed my entire life to then when I went to Rome, um, you know, I was using him. No matter what I was studying, I was supplementing it with what am I learning from Sheen. Then when I wrote, when I went for my doctorate, he was a servant of God by that time in 2006. So I was one of the first to be able to write as uh, on his theology, and I yeah. chose his Marian teaching um, on a big issue that's still big in the Marian world, Mary's Mediatrics of All Graces. And I was like, this guy is, he's like the modern day St. Thomas Aquinas plus, you know, the whole modern world. Exactly. And, and, and he's, and like the, the God has given him to us for this time, Amen. especially at a time where everything's moving so fast. We feel like we don't have time to really dive in. He, he's done all heavy lifting. Yeah. So he, he inspired every part of my life. And I knew that no matter what I was doing, um, in, in my mission for the church, um, I was going to be bringing his teaching. So I started bringing it out to and speaking engagements to the Air Force Academy and all these places. This is like in the early 2000s. And now here we are, 2023. And, uh, you know, now I'm just clamoring to get his beatification set. But every part of my fiber is influenced by this, awesome. this heroic man. And I just want to remind people several times, go to the website, fultonsheenmovement.com. There you can sign your name, so to speak, as a supporter, calling on the Holy See to reconsider at getting the beatification process back in, in order. And when we come back from the break, Peter, this is so good that you, you know, because you and I have a very similar story. I was 14 when I heard that priest retreat. Uh, this was a, another priest retreat, not that one, but whenever he gave priest retreat, the content was pretty much the same. Holy Hour, Marian, you know. Eucharist, all that. And I was 14 years old, and it, I just kept listening to it over and over again. I memorized it, you know, and it, and it affected me for the rest of my life. Now we're talking 50 years ago, because I'm 66 years old. No, 50, 42, however many years. 52 years? No, no. A lot of years, half a century ago. And that's all I've been doing is promoting Fulton Sheen. So then when I heard about what you're doing, I said, man, we got to tell people about this because uh, if they... Put their name on uh, this website, FultonSheenMovement.com. Put your name and saying, I want to see Fulton Sheen beatified. Think of the effect that that's going to have on Holy Mother, the church, 
right now when there's so much confusion and we need a, a, a bright light that says, hey, here's what the church teaches. Here's the perennial teachings of the church. This is the deposit of faith. And Fulton Sheen is the man to do that. And think of all the people who are going to read his books, listen to his recordings because he's beatified. And I might add, Peter, look at what's going to happen when people start to pray for his intercession. We know miracles have already taken place. I've interviewed people who have had miracles through the intercession of Fulton Sheen. So I'm excited about what you're doing. I want to support it. And uh, I, when we come back from the break, I'd like to ask you to tell us what you're doing to help the cause and give us a history, what, what went on. I mean, we, Jesse and I have talked a little bit about what seems to be holding it back, but those things have been resolved. And so really there's nothing more from what I could see. And maybe I'm wrong. I'll have you correct me on that. But it seems to me that we need to go full sheen ahead here on the beatification of Fulton Sheen. Peter, one more time, if people want to contact you through the internet, uh, that website, FultonSheenMovement.com, tell us a little bit what else is in that, on that website, because so, I want to direct people to the website, because there's a Q&A section in there, and it really kind of lays out your mission. Sure. Thanks, Terry. Well, it is, we kept it very simple right now for a very good reason, is because we want people to be focused on, first, understanding the petition and signing it like you said it's it is it is the meant to be it serves a number of purposes one is to give a collective voice to the laity around the world um i mean the diocese of peoria has done so much i mean they did all the heavy lifting mm -hmm. all the canonical things to get us to the point where we actually had a date set um but uh you know like sheen said he as if he was looking right to this moment and says like who's going to save the church it's it's not going to be us priests or religious but you the lay, you know the people yes. and you have the eyes the ears and the mind to save the church well this is a response to that this is the a lay movement it's not about peter howard it's not about, you know um but it's one of those things where i think it was mother Teresa who said the need is the call yeah and and so it was like I kind of got sick of three and a half years of something being on ice and it's always an elephant in the room. And every time I inquired, it was going in a circle. So this, this site, FultonSheenMovement.com, right now, the first initiative is to get people to join this large voice. It literally takes 15 seconds. So if everybody goes during the, during the break, yeah. goes to FultonSheenMovement.com, put it in, boom, we could like explode these numbers really fast. Um, I mean, Dr. Scott Hahn has signed it. I mean, just put that out there yeah, recently. Great. So, um, but uh, on the section, you could the, the petition is really it's it's a it's a history of where we are, how we got to this point, where things really are at, and then also like you were just saying, what is the significance of Sheen's beatification for the church? This is not like some kind of trophy that we want to see America Saint, as I like to call him, um, you know, just be given a title. It's because that recognition is going to have a flood of people praying to him. I, I think that the, the the miracles would be like a tsunami of miracles, oh, yeah. um, and and but his wisdom for our times in a time like you said of great confusion, we need a voice of clarity. Oh, yeah. And he, and this man has studied everything that we are facing like in depth, and he also puts out a solution, an intellectual one in an irrational world. This guy's going to rehinge us back to the intelligence, but he's also going to show us like the secret of his success which it was his dedication to the holy hour is always turning to our blessed mother for the conversion of a soul. Um, and so 
I, I mean, we want we want to simplify things in this age, and I just think Sheen is that answer. Absolutely. Um, so that's what this this uh, site is about. It's also though we now have events that are growing. Um, I was talking to you before we started about there's a big one in Illinois, July yeah. 9th. Good. So. Well, we need to, and your website will have all that information, correct? It does. Great. Hey, I want to give a quote from the quotable Sheen published back in 1967 and republished recently in the last 15 years. But it, it kind of gives the, uh, the feel that Fulton Sheen was prophetic in so many ways. He said about politics and conflict, he said, the conflict of the future will be between a God religion and a state religion, between Christ and the Antichrist, but in a political disguise. Wow, how profound, because we see that happening today. When we come back with Dr. Peter Howard, we're going to talk more about the cause of the beatification of Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen and how you can support that and much, much more when we come back from the Terry and Jesse Show after a quick moment. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. We're talking about the cause of Fulton J. Sheen's beatification with an expert, Dr. Peter Howard. His website is FultonSheenMovement.com. Go to that website. Pass it on. Let's get it go, to go viral because this is a website that gives you the latest information on the cause of Fulton Sheen's beatification. Dr. Peter, tell us a little bit about the beatification for those few people that didn't realize a couple, three years ago, you know, the beatification was set and just like a couple a week or two before the event, it was postponed for certain reasons. Can you kind of give us the 30,000 foot level view of what happened about the Fulton Sheen's beatification? Sure. I'll do my best. Well, see if I can simplify it. The process of, of uh, to get to, the beatification mass um you know the hardest part really i think is the becoming venerable yeah because you know you become a servant of god when the church simply accepts your cause to be reviewed gather everything about the life then when that whole investigation is done i mean every single thing no stone is left unturned into that individual's life right um then they they make a decision. Did he live heroic virtue? Right. And if he did, then he's venerable. He's been, he, now he can be venerated. Then all you need at that point is like evidence that he is in heaven, and so hence the requirement of one miracle, which was, um, which was approved in, in uh, 2019. Once that happens, it's it's a. It, as, as soon as the diocese who's going to host the mass can schedule it and get all the logistics together, yeah. they basically can, they can, it, it's ceremonial at that point. They simply at the mass declare him blessed. The fact that the miracle is approved already says he is, but yeah. the public announcement hasn't been made. And so that's why the beatification mass was just sort of, you know, the fact that it got postponed without really much explanation other than there's an on an ongoing investigation of all the dioceses of New York, like they've done in Illinois, like they've right. done in Pennsylvania. Right. So, um, you know, and, and that's where he is. It's been really on ice for three and a half years. But hasn't that investigation in New York been completed? And Fulton Sheen came out uh, uh, clear. And so, if that is the case, that's what I've read at least. Then what's holding it up? 
Well, the snag on the whole thing is yeah, I'm listening. The official report has not been issued yet. And so you could say there, nobody can say with a hundred percent certainty that there's nothing in the report that could potentially be used as any kind of questionable thing. Mm -hmm. But we know, this is the other part though, but we know from Rome's investigation that there is nothing. So it's like, if something, I've had conversations even with the Diocese of Peoria about this because they're all on board. They, yeah, they, they want to see this happen too. They did. And there's, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but they did their due diligence also. The diocese already looked into all these issues and came up clean. Go ahead. Exactly. I, I recently just, just today spoke with their their kind of lawyer, the lawyer who was really involved okay. in the in the battle Good. over the body for Sheen. Yes. Also, in the there were two allegations or not allegations, but there were two priests that were thrown out there when this first thing was when it was postponed, saying, "Well, maybe something about these priests need to be looked at." She went to bat for all of this. She provided all the evidence of saying Sheen had nothing to do with that. That was close. That was uh, that was it. Right. Nothing has been turned in, even when they they increased the statute of limitations to submit any kind of allegations of sexual abuse. Nothing has come in that's even related to related to Sheen at all. Wow. So that window is closed. So it's sort of like we know, on one hand, all the material that was that could be investigated will turn up nothing. If something were to come up, it would be something contrived. Yeah, and then at what point it's like. Really what this comes down to, because this could go on forever, even though they'll say, well, the report has to come out. Well, it should have come out by now, but is one, the church doesn't need, doesn't listen, you know, it doesn't follow the state, but it often seems like it is now. Yeah. We look at even COVID, all those kinds of things. The state says this, shut everything down. We shut everything out. Yep. So the point, and that's why this, I, I, not to jump into this, but this is one of the big reasons for why I started this movement yes. was because people have questions. They're kind of not screaming at me, but they're like, what is going on? And they're losing faith in the process of the church saying, well, if he's venerable and then the miracle is being improved, who cares what anybody says? Let's just say somebody came out and said he had 20 mistresses and yeah. everybody knows that's false. Well, is, are we going to say, but that might cause some tarnishing on this and we want it to be a positive celebration. We live in a world today like, she, like your segue into that break and that quote of Sheen yeah. about the church and the anti-church, yeah, right. that's what this is kind of like. Who is Who are we going to listen to at the end of the day? Yep. Is the church going to listen to its own processes led by the Holy Spirit? Amen. Or is it going to be influenced indefinitely by the anti-spirit, the spirit of antichrist, the anti-church? that the secular world is actively engaged in. Yeah. And in this climate, they could, you know, they can insinuate anything. And we'll never have, we'll never have another canonized saint. Yeah. Peter, I mean, and if, so go ahead. No, I just kind of jump in and say, Peter, I love having this conversation. I feel like I'm at Denny's restaurant. We're just chatting about Fulton Sheen and everybody's around the table listening. Check this out and see if I'm onto something. Fulton Sheen was, uh, when he was alive at the end of his life, when he was retired, uh, a lot of the bishops told uh, said that he was antiquated. He was too old. He, he he doesn't have anything good to say, and we need to move on. And back in 1979, when St. John Paul II came to New York uh, to visit, uh, Fulton Sheen was, was not present upstairs at the chapel at the big church of St. Patrick's. And the Pope says, where's Fulton Sheen to the bishops? They said, well, we don't know. Well, find him. I want him sitting here. 
So they went down to the Blessed Sacrament Chapel in the basement of the church. That's where Fulton Sheen was. And, and then, of course, St. John Paul II sees Bishop Sheeny, walks over and hugs him and says, you have written and spoken well of our Lord and Savior. You are a loyal son of the church. And, of course, other bishops there, I think, were jealous of Bishop Sheen. And I believe today there are people, can I, I run into him after the death of Fulton Sheen, where bishops or priests say, stop promoting Bishop Sheen. He's, he has nothing to offer the church. And I say, I beg to differ with you, okay? I mean, I can remember back in 1979, right after his death, and I was promoting the Life is Worth Living series that I've been promoting for 40-some years, 43 years, and a priest, I said, Father, I've got the Life is Worth Living on cassette tape. Use this for your homilies. It's great material. And he said, young man, Fulton Sheen is antiquated. You're wasting your time. You might as well throw those in the trash. Well, hundreds of thousands of those recordings have gone around the world. I didn't take the priest's advice, and I won't do it because I know the truth about what Fulton Sheen has to offer. So my question to you is, do you think jealousy today, in other words, inside the church today, the humanity of the church, there are people in responsible positions that would think Fulton Sheen's, let's say his material, is kind of like passe, and it's not, you know, it's not with the modern church. Because I personally think there's an element there of truth there. What do you What do you say? Uh, well, I agree. I think with what you're saying, um, you know, we, we we tend to we tend to destroy the things that we dislike and um, or feel threatened by, and 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 you look at somebody like Fulton Sheen and the wisdom that he provides is so timeless. Yes. Um, and not only that, though, I mean, his, his person, his figure, uh, uh, who, who he was as a priest, as a priest victim, as a bishop, it stands in stark contrast to um, really what we're facing to, in many of, of the hierarchy today, where the emphasis are very different. And this was a this was a this was a, a bishop who loved Vatican II. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he crosses like every kind of camp that you could imagine. The traditionalists lo love him, yeah. but yet he goes. He one of his highlights he says in his own autobiography was being a part of Vatican II. Yeah. So when if, you know if those are going to condemn Vatican II or whatever it is, like, well, you're going to have to throw Sheen under that bus too. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, I don't want to get into that, but there's a lot. I mean, and there's the politics of today. I kind of call it like the curse of Cardinal Spellman. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe we could talk about that for a second, but sure. it is very true because, um, you know, once uh, he he crossed Spellman and being in the right in, in each of those cases, yep. it's sort of like when that happened in New York over the body of Sheen, um, I, it's like, things moved really fast. Right. But the the the, the way that, the, that the, this was, iced and postponed looked bad on every level um even if you're going to use some kind of a secular investigation yeah um but rome got sold on that i mean we can't forget that no bishop here uh you know i mean rochester couldn't over could not pause it itself right the call did come from rome so like also when you're saying we're asking the holy see yeah. to reconsider it's it's a much deeper question. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, do you believe, do you trust in yourself and being guided by the Holy Spirit? Because this is going to be, this is the new norm. Yeah. And then, then, you, then you're going to have to retro everything back to, well, let's look at John, Saint, should we reconsider St. John Paul II's 
canonization because look, Cardinal McCarrick was underneath him. I mean, investigations could go on forever under about him alone, yet alone other people who were under him during that time. I mean, that would be a more, you know, nebulous kind of endless investigation. Sheen is an easy open and shut case. Yeah, it is. And so, just to back up for a minute, St. John Paul II, there has been allegations that they show in Poland that he did move some priests that he shouldn't have moved. But did that stop his beatification and canonization? No. And did that scandalize me? No. I mean, saints can make prudential decisions wrong, okay? It's not like uh, they're perfect, okay? They have heroic virtue, one of the things that you have to have to become a saint. I want to mention also, you mentioned Vatican II, Fulton Sheen was there. Just a quick note, maybe people don't know, he spoke the longest of anyone out of the 2,000-plus bishops at Vatican II. There's a button they push when you speak at the Vatican Council. And guess what? Sheen was the only one where they buttoned. They didn't push the button. They said, let's this guy speak. And so that's number one. Number two, Fulton Sheen brought in the Blessed Sacrament to the bishops in the hotel room so that they had our Lord there to pray. No other bishop came up with that idea. My point is, Fulton Sheen is a model for bishops, for lay people, and much, much more. We come back. Let's talk about the Cardinal Spellman situation because I think that's still haunting Fulton Sheen today. You're, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. We have Dr. Peter Howard talking about Fulton Sheen. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Actually, we're back with Dr. Peter Howard. He is a young, I call him a young man since I'm older than him. He's promoting the cause of Fulton Sheen. He has a website called FultonSheenMovement.com. Please go to the website, sign your name and saying that you're supporting the beatification of Fulton J. Sheen. And we've been talking, if you just tuned in, about the cause of Fulton Sheen and his life and how valuable his writings and his audio recordings are to Holy Mother the Church, and that if he, please God, will be beatified, there's going to be more of an emphasis on his writings and his audio recordings, and I think that many souls will be benefited by it. Like right now, we have on Tuesday night, we have our convert course that we teach for the Anglican Ordinariate Parish that I'm a member of, and in 12 weeks, people become Catholic after the course, and part of the course is listening to Bishop Sheen's convert course called Life is Worth Living. We also use the Baltimore Catechism number four, and it's on our website, Full Sheen Ahead. People can watch it. We're finding that people who are Catholic all their lives are going, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And all we're doing is going back to the fundamentals of our faith. It's almost like, Peter, that we've had amnesia, that we just haven't been taught these fundamental teachings, and I think Fulton Sheen is the key in that. But I left people at the edge of their chairs about Cardinal Spellman, the Cardinal of New York. He and Fulton Sheen, if you read the autobiography of Treasure and Clay, Bishop Sheen just kind of talks about that, but he doesn't give the details and how it was a suffering for him. But um, Peter, tell us about the issue that Fulton Sheen and Cardinal Spellman had and how the Pope resolved it. Well, there were two issues, um, and they both uh, revolved around really power and influence. Uh, Sheen succeeded 
Cardinal Spellman as the um, national director for the Society for Propagation of the Faith. So he was in charge, basically, of like seventy-five percent of the whole church's treasury <laughs> toward the missions. Yes, and Spellman had done that as well prior to him. And so they tra- he traveled around the world. I mean, he was they traveled more than the popes did. Um, and and Spellman groomed Sheen to assume this position. And then when Sheen took the position, he took it very, very seriously. He had a great heart for the missions, and he wanted every dime that was intended to go to them to go to them. So the first time um, Spellman came in, and he he was known for like you know um, wherever he would arrive, kind of having presence for everybody. And he tried to basically dabble into the funds of the um, society, and Sheen said no, and that was like like a movie moment, you know, because nobody said no to Cardinal Spellman. I mean, his biography is called America's Pope. And, <laughs> um, and they, you know, they would joke saying, you know, he was the only prelate who had a direct line to the Pope. Um, and so that didn't go well. Uh, but the next one was more significant was Cardinal Spellman came uh, across these um, a whole bunch of powdered milk right. and it was worth like millions of dollars. Yep. And, um, Let's just be conservative. Let's just say at least a million. But in those days, that's a lot of money. And um, he kind of donated it to the society, but then asked to be compensated for it. And Sheen's like, I know that you didn't pay for that. And he, you know, he had the receipts. Well, anyway, this rift went before uh, I mean, it was Paul the Sixth. And in the presence of Paul the Sixth, um, Sheen was able to prove, really, right in front of him, that Spellman was lying. And like the music just changed, like, you know, this dramatic movie moment. And as soon as Spellman lost, you know, face with the Pope, he was determined to destroy Sheen. Yeah. And he did. He pulled the plug on the show. I mean, literally overnight. Um, and, you know, everybody wondered, like, what happened to Sheen? Sort of like, what happened to his beatification? Yep. And um, anyway, the, the rest is history I mean, in that respect. Sure. But I mean, Sheen, I think one of the things that he could be the patron of is of the pa- the patron of cancel culture. I mean, he was yeah. the first major cancel. I mean, he had, you know, 30 million people a week that he was reaching. 60% were non-Catholic. A whole world knew him. Yeah. So when the plug got pulled on that, that wasn't like, you know, your two o'clock infomercial you know, in the morning. This was a guy literally forming the world and that was a big deal. And Spellman, you know, that Spellman's revenge. And Sheen kept it like he kept it to himself. It's but it's also when he wrote his his greatest works, um, that uh like Life of Christ. He said he, he wrote that during that time. Yeah. And he alludes to the period of time that of great suffering that he was in. And it ends, you know, coincidentally, the year Spellman died. Um, but you know, he he never really went into that. Yeah. And so that's a, but we, you know it's kind of come back to haunt him uh, in that in a certain respect because then the ba- the battle over his body that, you know between New York the Archdiocese of New York the Archdiocese of Peoria this whole thing which has just made this uh, beatification process dragged out and now I think that there's still a lot of the well, I think it's all on the human level yes the that is of the church. behind this yeah I call it the humanity of the church and. And I think jealousy does play a role. Peter, um, I want to talk a little bit about something you've studied on Fulton Sheen quite a bit, and that is his love for the Blessed Virgin Mary. Now, I went to his funeral 44 years ago in New York City at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I dropped a little miraculous medal in his casket. 
I'm sure it's still there unless they took it out, and I'm just kind of hoping <laughs> I get it back. But yeah, that's all right. Maybe on this sometime. But the bottom line is he spoke so beautifully about Our Lady. He wrote a book called The World's First Love in 1951. Classic. We put it on cassette tape. But can you just share some insights on why, I mean, just on that topic, he's kind of developed, whether it's the Mediatrix of All Graces, St. Maximilian Colby talked about it, Louis de Montfort, others. But give us a summary of what Fulton Sheen has to offer uh, for listeners and why they should read Fulton Sheen's World's First Love and get insights on Our Lady's role and how it brings Our Lady brings us to Jesus Christ. Sure, that's a great question, very packed. Um, well, I'll put it this way. Prior to writing my doctorate, mm-hmm. I had studied all the great Marian okay. saints and their writings, Colby, de Montfort, you name them, okay. and they had huge impact on me. So they were kind of like my stallion, you know, saint, saints that I was ch- champing behind. Good. When I came across Sheen and reading his World First Love, <laughs> and then doing my doctorate, I had access to the archives, what he said, I began to find a teaching of Mary that not only complements what I read with Colby and De Montfort and others, he fills in so many of the gaps. And at the same time, in in his teaching on Mary, he brings together all of the branches of theology, mm-hmm. the theology of Christ, Christology, the theology of the church, ecclesiology, theology of the Holy Spirit, pneumatology, theology of redemption, we call soteriology. Um, and he does so in a biblical way mm-hmm. that it's so accessible. It's the life. And and, he, and, he, and that's, I think it's the key to Sheen. Everything is, like he says, theology mm-hmm. is life. Amen. And and Jesus is inside of me. He's using me, moving me. And that's how he presents the mystery of Mary. And you begin to realize everything in our, in, in our Christian faith, the doctrines and our life of faith, really, you can say, like, goes into super high definition when you read and understand um, the mystery of Mary in light of how Sheen uh, sees her. And then then you can understand, too, like the significance of Mary in the modern world. He had a great love for Our Lady of Lord, Our Lady of Fatima. And honestly, I believe he sheds a lot of light into all these crises that we're facing now, even Russia, the whole question about Russia. I said, you'd be really surprised what Sheen says about Russia. Yes. very surprised. It's very positive, <laughs> um, like Colby. But anyway, his Marian teaching really puts brings all of those those teachings into one, and it makes it so personal. Yes, that you when you when you finish reading, especially the world's first love, you can't help but feel I really, I've really been introduced to our mother in a way I never have. Absolutely. And so I, I encourage everyone. Yes to get that book. That's the only book that I would recommend more than my own work. <laughs> well, I hope just so. Kidding. <laughs> Peter, I got to say this it's all Sheen anyway. <laughs> about Fulton Sheen. You don't need a PhD in theology to understand Fulton Sheen. I'll never forget talking to young people who thought that Fulton Sheen was still alive. You know, they called me and say, hey, where can we see him? No, no, he's been dead for 30, 40 years. What? He talks like he's alive today. I want to uh, just give some uh, opportunity for you to tell a story or two, because I I love telling stories, and I'll just give you one, and then I want to have you. When he was with the propagation of the faith, he went to Thailand uh, to open up a mission with the lepers there, and um, he had to raise $5,500 for building a church. Back then, you know, it was, we're talking 60, 80 years ago, and when he built this chapel, uh, he was flying back, and there was a young 
beautiful waitress who was serving him on the plane, a stewardess, and he complimented her on the apostle of beauty and said, young lady, I just came back from a leper colony. Uh, they, um, uh, this is my card. If you ever want to know more about Jesus Christ, here's my card because you would make a wonderful nun serving these folks in Thailand. And this girl says, excuse me, uh, I'm, just, I'm not even Catholic. Well, if you want to become, here's my card. Just look me up and I'll give you instructions. About a year later, she did that. And Fulton Sheen used the Life is Worth Living recordings that he did, same ones we have, instructed her. She became a Catholic. Within two years, she joined the Order of the Sisters, and she spent the rest of her life serving those lepers in Thailand. Now, this is the effect this man has on souls, and that's why I say having him beatified, all these stories, all these writings are going to be exposed to millions of people. Dr. Peter, tell us a story that you have of Fulton Sheen touching a soul for Christ. One of the one of the stories about Sheen. Yeah, about Sheen. How he affects. Yeah, yeah, get, yeah. Because there's people. a whole bunch. Oh, there's but tons there's, of them. Um, well, you know, I, there's one that always sticks out to me Which because of what he says at the very end. Um, he's talked about how you know I, I mentioned he loved Our Lady of Lord and he yeah. went there over thirty times. Every yeah. time he went to Europe, he was there, um, and. He said, if there's one prayer you know our Lord will answer, oh, yeah. it is to suffer for a soul. Yes. And so he made that prayer. He said mass. And then as he's leaving, he noticed this young woman was following him. Yep. And so he kind of scurried his way back to his residence and he noticed she kept following him. He goes up the stairs. There she is at the, you know, behind him. <laughs> and then eventually he stops. Yes. And he says, are you following me? And she says, yes, but I don't know why. And he says, oh, you must be my problem. And so, anyway, uh, you know, he asked her, um, "Are you? Are you? Um, what are you?" And she's like, "Well, uh, I'm an atheist." He's like, "No, you were probably a Catholic." She's like, "Yeah, I was." He says, "Okay, well, I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to basically bring you back to the church." Yep. And so he spent a number of days there. Yep. And the fact that it only took a few days is remarkable. Yeah. But he he helped her. He, he brought her all the way through. He brought her back to the church. That's awesome. And Peter, anyway, let me jump in. We're at yeah. the end of our show. Oh, I yeah, want to remind yeah. people to go to your website which is FultonSheenMovement.com. And remember what Fulton Sheen said about uh, Price of Souls? That's Our Lady of Fatima. She says souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. I can hear Fulton Sheen saying that. Will you join in those sufferings and the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world? Dr. Peter Howard, one more time, his website, FultonSheenMovement.com. Sign that petition to get Bishop Sheen beatified. Thanks again for taking the time, Doc, to join us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Thanks, Terry. God bless you. God love you and your family. Full Sheen ahead.